gifts are meant to be opened and to be used. And it's such a shame when gifts remain unwanted and left on to one side. And this happens every year at Christmas. Surveys have estimated that about 80% of us get Christmas presents or, or birthday presents that are unwanted. Millions of euro are wasted each year on unwanted presents. It's estimated that in the UK about a billion pounds is wasted on unwanted Christmas presents. In the States about 15 billion uh, dollars are wasted. Many of those gifts end up on a, in a cupboard somewhere, stuffed away. Uh, but others try to, to make use of them. They give them away to charity and to the charity shops. Or some people even wrap them up and re-gift them to somebody else. Uh, or even try to sell them online. But it's not just Christmas presents or birthday presents that are unwanted and sometimes unused. Sadly, this also happens with God's gifts. God has given some amazing gifts to his church. They empower us and they enable us to serve him in in ways that are far beyond our natural abilities. But far too often those gifts are left unwanted and unused. Or they're used in a way that God never designed for. And so in the next few chapters of his letter to the church in Corinth, Paul taught on this vital issue of spiritual gifts. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at this in detail. But this week, we're just trying to focus in on how we want to see these gifts, they are part of God's plan to unite his church together as we celebrate and as we enjoy our diversity. So we're going to read from... Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you have a Bible maybe you would like to open it, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 1 down to verse 11 and Lorraine is going to come up and she's going to read for us this morning. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kind of tongues, and still to another interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Thank you very much, Lorraine. 
Many of the Christians in Corinth had come from a pagan background. That meant they'd experienced things like pagan prophecy or ecstatic experiences. People who claimed to have inspired speech. And as Paul said in verse 2, they'd been influenced and led astray to mute idols. And so it was crucial that these Christians would be able to recognise the genuine works of the Holy Spirit compared to those evil spirit inspired uh, revelations and visions. And so we started off in this section on spiritual gifts by giving them a test to apply. These Christians were not just to swallow everything that they heard. They weren't just to listen to anybody who came and to speak to them. Even if it was given in a spectacular way. Even if it was given in something that seemed supernatural. They weren't just to listen to everything that was said. They were to test those people, those speakers, to see if they were from God. And this was the test. Verse 3 in our reading. No one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. This test was all to do with a person's attitude to Jesus. So, do they sincerely accept the true humanity and deity of Christ? Do they genuinely believe in Jesus as their Lord, as their Saviour? Is what they are saying consistent with the teaching of Jesus? Are they coming under the Lordship of Christ in their teaching? Are they seeking to bring glory and honour to Jesus as Lord? So that was the test that Paul gave these Christians in Corinth. And of course our experience and our background is so different from those guys in Corinth all those years ago. And yet this is a crucial place for us to start as we think about spiritual gifts. As we think about the work of the Holy Spirit. How do we recognise the true work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our church, in this world? And this is the test. The Holy Spirit will always lead us into a deeper relationship with Jesus as our Saviour and Lord. He will always point us to Christ. So the genuine work of the Holy Spirit will never be in opposition to the work of Christ. Their ministries are fundamentally linked. So for example, Romans chapter 8 and 9 says this, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. The Holy Spirit in that verse is called the Spirit of Christ. And his presence in our lives is the evidence that we belong to Christ. So everyone who puts their faith in Jesus as their Saviour and Lord receives the Holy Spirit. 
He is the seal that guarantees our connection with Christ and our inheritance in Christ. That's what Ephesians 1 and verse 13 and 14 says. Having believed, you are marked in him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And so the work of the Holy Spirit is to point us to Christ and to help us to understand and apply the truth of Christ in our lives. This is what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14. The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So that's a vital test for us. It means that any teaching that is not consistent with who Jesus is, or what he taught, or his character, or that takes the glory away from Jesus, that is not from God. No matter how spectacularly, how powerfully it is delivered. The work of the Spirit is always to lead us closer in our relationship with Jesus as Lord. So hold that in our mind. As we think about the work of the Spirit right throughout these chapters, the work of the Holy Spirit is always to bring us to Jesus. Always to point us to Jesus. Always to make much of Jesus. Always to help us to listen and understand and follow Jesus in our lives. But the Holy Spirit also leads us into a closer relationship with God's people. He leads us into unity. And that should be seen even in all of the diversity that is expressed in church. So if you have a look at verse 4 down to verse 6, it says there are different kinds of gifts, Different kinds of service, different kinds of working. As we'll see in a few minutes in a little bit more detail, as Christians we don't always do the same things. We have different abilities to serve in different ways, in different ministries and to different people. We are different. But if we have genuinely accepted Jesus as our Saviour and Lord then we've all been united together. Because, as again in verse 4 down to 6, because we've been gifted by the same Spirit. We have been gifted to serve the same Lord. And we do this with power from the same God. This is the basis of our unity. Yes, we might look different, and we do, We may act differently. We may have different personalities, different backgrounds, different concerns, different ideas, different abilities, different priorities, different things that we feel passionate about. But if if we put our faith in Christ, then we've been brought into one body through the work of the same Spirit. We'll see this emphasised next week. 
when Paul says in verse 13 of of chapter 12, we were all baptised by one spirit into one body. Some people claim that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an experience that some Christians have sometime after they put their faith in Jesus. So they're claiming that the Spirit divides the church into those who have received his baptism and those who have not received his baptism. But that's not what the Bible says. Said the Bible declares that the baptism of the Spirit is the, ex- the experience of all who have trusted in Christ. When the Spirit comes into our lives to stay. And it's this baptism, His baptism, that unites us into one body. Even in all of our differences and our diversity. And so that means that we don't need to We don't need to form this unity between us. We don't need to work in a way to say, well, how can we be united together? That is already a reality. If we are in Christ this morning, we are united together in Him. By His Spirit. But we do need to live this out every day in our lives. We don't need to form the unity, but we need to live in the unity. And so as Paul wrote at the start of this letter, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another, so that there may be no divisions among you, and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. So this is like what we are thinking about last week. We're talking about communion. Remember, we're talking about how important it is for us to recognise the body of Christ as we come to take communion together. We need to recognise that God has brought us together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, of course, this unity goes beyond just our little fellowship here. We are we're called to express this unity with everyone who's personally put their faith and trust in Jesus, with the universal church. But in a really special way, this unity should be expressed in each local church. As we meet together, we need to work out a way to be able to express this unity together. Express our common bond that we are being united into one body by one spirit. And one of the ways that the Holy Spirit does this, the one that helps us to express this unity is by giving us different kinds of gifts. Verse 4. Now that word gifts is clearly a a key word throughout this, this, this whole chapter. It's a Greek word charisma, or charismata, if you want to have the plural form. It means a gracious gift. A free gift of grace that we don't deserve that we haven't earned, that we could never pay for. And that's really clear throughout this passage. It's a gift from God. But unfortunately, these gifts have become a deeply controversial subject in the church and a source of division among 
Christians. So there are a variety of different gifts mentioned in our passage. Nine, in fact. If you look at verse 8 down to verse 10, he mentions the message of wisdom, the message of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in different kinds of tongues or languages, the interpretation of those tongues or languages. But this list of nine gifts is not a comprehensive list. If you're asked, what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? You can't just go to that passage and write them up and say, well, that's them all. Because Paul listed some other gifts later on in this chapter, for example. And then there are a number of other passages in the Bible that list other gifts. So people have tried to kind of put all this together and get, they maybe get something like 18 to 20 different spiritual gifts mentioned in the scriptures. But that doesn't mean that that's necessarily all of them. Because no, none of those lists are trying to say, this is all there are, guys. This is all the ones there are. There's no comprehensive list of the spiritual gifts in the scriptures. And neither does Paul give us a definition of those gifts. So different Christians, they have different ideas about what some of those gifts actually are. And they argue and fight over that. And then some Christians believe that all of these gifts are for today. Others believe that some have ceased to be used and are no longer supposed to be seen in the church today. We're not going to talk about that today. We're going to leave that till chapter 13, when actually Paul talks about that issue. And then there's controversy about how those gifts are supposed to be used in the church. And we'll get on to what Paul teaches about that in chapter 14, when he thinks specifically about two gifts, the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues. And we'll see how Paul teaches how those gifts are supposed to be used. So when we come to this subject, we need to think carefully about these spiritual gifts. And if you have any questions or any struggles about this, please come and have a chat about it. Don't don't go away and, and struggle on your own. Come and have a chat and I'll try and explain things a little bit clearer. Or come to our Bible studies online, on Zoom, because we'll be thinking about this in detail and you can ask your questions there and discuss it together and hopefully grow and learn together. But what I want us to do this morning is not miss what Paul is teaching us in our passage This morning, he is emphasizing that instead of arguing and dividing over these gifts, they should actually be uniting us together, closer, as a church. This is something that God does in our lives and it should bring us closer together. One of the reasons for that is because all of us who put our trust in Jesus, this is a common experience for all of us. Every Christian, every one of us who put our trust in Jesus, who are here this morning, we have received a spiritual gift. That's what Paul says, verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit 
is given to each one. And Paul repeated this truth in verse 11 again at the end of our reading, just to make sure we don't miss it. He gives them to each one. And this giving has got nothing to do with our, our Christian maturity or our Christian growth. Those things are more to do with what is called the fruit of the Spirit. Remember in Galatians 5, Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This fruit is the character of Christ that the Holy Spirit produces in us. And like fruit, it develops slowly. Anybody notice that? How painfully slowly this character develops in us? But it develops in us as we remain in Christ. As we listen to Christ. As we trust in Christ. As we follow Him. Then that fruit of Christ's character is developed in us. But spiritual gifts are not like that. Because they're just given as a gift of God's grace. They're free gifts that we don't earn through our growth or our maturity. As we've seen throughout this letter, as we've been studying it together, this church in Corinth was in a real mess. That's so many problems. And yet Paul could write to them in chapter 1, you do not lack any spiritual gift. God had given them the gifts that they need, despite the fact that they were so far from the people they should have been. So I don't know if, you, if you've had this experience, but I certainly have. I've heard people say to, about someone else, oh, that Christian is really gifted. You ever heard anybody say that? Yeah? That's a really gifted Christian. But that's true about every single one of us here this morning. We've all received at least one spiritual gift. We are all really gifted by the Spirit. Yes, as believers, we're different. We've all got different ministries and serve in different ways. But we're all the same. In the fact that we've all received the spiritual gift to empower us for ministry in God's kingdom. But this is not just a common experience. These gifts are also from a common source. This is what Paul emphasised right throughout uh, this, that list of gifts from verse 8 to, to verse 10. He says, even although they're all different gifts, they're all given by the same Spirit. And this is how Paul concluded this section. All these are the work of, the, of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one. Just as he determines. So some people have tried to put these gifts into different categories. They say that some are obviously supernatural gifts. Like healing. Or like miracles. And then they say that there are some more normal gifts, like, well, encouraging or serving. But the problem with that thinking is that it contradicts the Bible. Because the Bible says that all of those gifts 
are supernatural. All of those gifts don't come from within us. They come from the Holy Spirit. They are extraordinary abilities that come from God for us. And it is the Holy Spirit who decides what we receive. Yes, we'll see later on in in this, this section how Paul says it's not wrong for us to desire or to seek some of those gifts. But in the end, it's the Holy Spirit who gives us those gifts. And it's the Holy Spirit who decides which one we receive. But those gifts don't only unite us because of our common experience and because of their common source. It's also because of their common purpose. Look at verse 7. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for, that's the purpose, for the common good. A while back I read a story about when not long after the IQ test was developed, several studies were conducted to find out how different people groups would score on that IQ test. And one of those groups was, the, was a Native American tribe, the Hopi tribe. And when the Hopi received the test, they immediately started to ask each other questions and to compare their answers. And the instructor who was organising that test, he saw that was happening and he quickly intervened. He, was, he told them that they had to take the test alone. And they were not permitted to help each other or to share their answers. But when the Hopi heard this, they were outraged and they refused to take the test. They said, it's not important that I am smarter than my brother or that my brother is smarter than me. It's only important what we can do together. And that is kind of like what the Spirit's purpose is in giving us these gifts. They are not given to us as individuals to make us feel better about ourselves. They're not given to us to make us feel more important than others. So we can boast about it and we can, we can say, well, look at me because I've got this gift. They're not given to us to make a name for ourselves. Their common purpose is to enable us to be a blessing to our church. They are given to each of us so that we can play our part in building up the body of Christ. They are given to us so that we can serve others. Or as Paul says in verse 5 of chapter 14, so that the church may be edified. So that we can more effectively share the gospel. Or we can more effectively serve each other. Or we can strengthen each other when we struggle. Or we we can support those who are in need. So we can see God's kingdom come more and more in our lives and in our communities. And ultimately they're given. Not to make a name for ourselves, but to bring glory to God. This is what Peter writes about them in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 11. Whoever speaks must do as one speaking the very words of God. 
Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies. So that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. This should be our common goal. God has gifted his church to enable us to serve each other and to serve him. To bring him glory. And so all of this leaves us with a really challenging reality. We are called to serve in the unity of the Holy Spirit and in the diversity of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This, of course, means that we need each other in church. Because no individual has all the gifts that we ourselves need to live the life that we've been called to for God. So we need the ministry of the church in our lives. We'll think a little bit more about that next week. But it also means that if this church is going to accomplish everything that God has planned for us to do, then each of us need to use our gifts. If we don't, then not only will we as individuals lose out on that privilege of serving God in these supernatural ways, but also our community, our church will miss out on the gift that God has given to us as a community through each one of us for our common good. We need the church. But the church also needs us. And so Peter said, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So guys, let's not leave our gift unwanted, unopened, unused. Instead, let's commit to using it and to use it for the building of God's kingdom and the glory of God's name.